He shot his mom in the head right in front of him. Yeah, actually, yeah. Pretty good shot there from Point Blank. Hey, guys. This is Alon. And this is David. And welcome to I Finally Watched, where today I finally watched Shaun of the Dead. So I think I watched Shaun of the Dead by accident. Um, I think it was just like on somewhere at a friend's house. And I just so happened to just watch the whole thing. Um, but I was really young. I must have been, oh, I don't know. When did, when did this movie come out? Oh, four. Okay. So I was like 12. All right, I'm not that young. But, you know, I don't, I don't like gory horror. And at 12, I really didn't like gory horror. Um, but I remember this movie scaring me at 12. Like, I did not like it at all. And only until, like, maybe, I don't know, five years ago, I saw it again. And I was like, oh, I, I, was, I was a stupid 12-year-old. Because this movie's great. This movie's, like, I mean, Edgar Wright makes great movies, but I would say this is one of his, if not his best. Right. I think you and I have talked previously on Reservoir Dogs. We were talking about our favorite Tarantino movies. And in, you know, in that episode, I talked about how I really loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Inglorious Bastards is probably my favorite of his and how like directors just get better as they, as they go, in my opinion. Um, not necessarily always the case. And this, I think, Edgar Wright hasn't got worse, all right? I love um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. I loved Baby Driver. I thought The World's End was even great. But Shaun of the Dead may now be like my favorite Edgar Wright movie. It's not perfect, but I haven't really been able to articulate any flaws I can see in it. And there's some things done in a comedy horror movie that are just so great that I, you know, just even noticing it on the first watch, like how amazing this movie is. Um, and so I'm glad I finally watched it. Yeah, no, he he's he's one of those directors that I would put him in the same league as Tarantino, just on like style, because he definitely has a guy that has his own style. Um, you know, when you see The World's End or Hot Fuzz, and especially Shaun of the Dead, and uh, you were telling me, you know, you see a lot of Scott Pilgrim cuts and action scenes like they pulled off in Shaun of the Dead, you know, vice versa, because of one being the latter, but um, he definitely has his own style, uh, which makes it really disappointing. Uh, I was really disappointed in Ant-Man because he was supposed to be, he was supposed to do Ant-Man. And I, the way his style is could have made it really cool. It could have made it one of those films like Thor Ragnarok, where you get like this, you know, kind of off the cuff filmmaker to do this like big franchise thing. And, you know, that might've been too much of a risk for Marvel or whatever. But when I heard he was kicked off the project, I was really disappointed because his style is uh, very unique. It is. And you could almost maybe say that that's the only thing he can do until baby driver came out because baby driver is a really well done movie, 
but stylistically you you can if someone didn't know he directed both you wouldn't just know by watching it at least from when i saw it right like it's it's stylistically different than his previous four Shaun of the dead hot fuzz at world's the world's end and scott pilgrim all those movies stylistically are so similar with scott pilgrim maybe being the most different but i still think he's capable of not just being pigeonholed in like an edgar wright style which is what you would have thought yes and no i mean i kind of agree with you like scott pilgrim was definitely like everything you saw in those um previous two movies hot fuzz and and Shaun of the dead but like turned up to 11 you know because you could do all these cool cgi graphics and you could just make it you know he could make it really what he wanted to to make it um with baby driver you do see a lot of that especially in the cuts you know the fast cuts and the montage stuff and everything kind of going to the beat of a soundtrack which i i think is probably one of his most like iconic things about about his directing style but where i feel like scott pilgrim was like you know edgar wright turned all the way up i feel like baby driver was edgar wright really finessed but i thought Shaun of the dead is a perfect example of edgar wright at his like raw form um and watching it again and then watching it again and again because I, I think i must have seen this movie three times in the last five six years um there's things that i just always miss that i'm like oh you know that's freaking hilarious um because there's so he packs so much ingenuity and story uh elements in this movie that it for me it's definitely a movie that you can get kind of a newfound appreciation for it every time you watch it. Yeah, it seems like in in every line of dialogue, there isn't a throwaway line. Like everything that's said means something later on. Like when uh, Sean, it's like, how am I going to forget the main character's name? But Sean walks outside and gets hit by the soccer ball and just says to the kid, like, you're dead. And then that kid later on turns out to become a zombie. Like, there's so many of those you can pick up on in the first 25 minutes of the movie, even starting with the opening credits are great because the opening credits just show normal people in normal everyday life, just, but they look like zombies, not with makeup, but just with the way they're acting and the way they're doing. And it's like a movie like this, you're not going to it for like it's social commentary on what we've become as humans or anything, but it's just like this cool little beginning of like, you know, We've yeah, always, but we've always been zombies. No, exactly. You know, but yeah, maybe not so much on the social commentary. And I think, you know, but this movie definitely has a deeper meaning than just a, a throwaway spoof horror zombie flick. Um, and, you know, I think that's really developed within the character of Sean. But like you were saying, the the fact that, you know, the opening credits and everyone's kind of like dancing in a in a zombie way to like their headphones down the alley is brilliant. But that even leads to kind of the rest of the, or the whole beginning of the movie where you see Sean go about his daily life um, kind of like in his own box. And, you know, he interacts with people along the way, you know, in a, in a very scarce way. In his, you know, peripheral or his, you know, outside view on the world, not much has changed. 
Right. So the, the movie opens up with kind of a cold open, basically just setting up the characters, right? You have Sean and his girlfriend Liz and things aren't going great because they're just going through the motions every day of always going to the Winchester. And then Sean always has to bring his friend Ed because Ed's lonely and doesn't have any friends. And then because of that, Liz always brings her friends uh, who don't seem to like Sean and Sean doesn't seem to like them. But then after that, what I like that he does with the story is it's called Shaun of the Dead. You know there's zombies. There's no hiding that. But there's just these little snippets here and there of like, when when did the zombies actually start, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's on the bus and then you have all these people who just look once again like zombies. And then he looks outside and sees a woman fall to the ground and everyone kind of rushes around him like, oh, what's that? And then as he gets to the store, um, you know, he, you see this guy, he says his dad's waiting for him and just ominously turns around and you're like, not sure what that was. And then as his dad, his stepdad walks outside, you know, he see him kind of walks in like almost like a zombie-like way. And then after that, he has to go to the flower shop to get flowers for his mom because his dad told him to. And there's a guy running by and he's like, oh, that's weird. What's that guy running? Oh, and you're you talking, no, that was like the homeless man trying to catch a pigeon. No, and then right after that, there's a homeless guy catching a pigeon, and there's the ominous music playing. And you're like, is that homeless guy a zombie? And I really, I love the way he sets up. Like, in a lot of zombie movies, the the start of it is set up in a way of like, oh, we're just kind of overrun. But in this, it's like this slow play of like, there's zombies here and there, and like, people don't even know what's happening. His roommate was Pete, you know, it comes home and is had gotten bitten on the hand by what he thought was muggers and then their first interaction with the zombie with uh with mary um they're they're not she doesn't even really look like a zombie right her eyes are kind of like glazed over but she doesn't have like blood everywhere or anything and she's not like missing body parts so it's like it's a really interesting idea of how a zombie apocalypse could start not with like mass zombies tearing people apart and you knowing what's happened but instead like news reports here and there about something's going on and you you not you're not really sure what's happening until maybe it's almost too late right and the big beats for that to me and as the audience you're like okay we're we've arrived right is when they're at the winchester and there's a guy outside that's like knocking on the door and and moaning and you know the the bartender is like hey we're closed and he just like slowly walks away and then when they go out there was like these two people necking in the corner but then you find out that when they come back outside she's eating him and then they're like dancing and singing and then there's a zombie on the other side of the street like groaning to the beat of whatever they're singing and we at that point we as, as the audience is like Oh, it started, but the the characters are still completely oblivious until the next morning. And there's something about the timing of that that's just like, it really makes this movie work. Right, and so the woman, you see this woman and man like kissing when they walk in the bar, and then when they come out, it's still happening. And as they're walking away, you see the dude's head fall off, and you're like, "That's it! Like that's the that's the the moment where you're like, all right, now we're now we're we're going into the zombie apocalypse." And they they really like even after you know they know we're in the zombie apocalypse, and we know they're in the zombie apocalypse. There's still moments that 
Edgar Wright really tries to kind of like, uh, is he a zombie or is he drunk? Is he a zombie or is he weird? Is he a zombie or is he homeless? And it, I just like, you know, kind of what we were talking about, there's not really a message, but maybe there is. It's like, yeah, I, people do weird crap, but because we're so used to all the weird crap, you know, like you said, it might be too late. Right. And then you sort of have his roommate, Pete, yell at him and tell him, you're only with this loser Ed because he's more of a loser than you and you need to get your life together. And the, I, I, I assume you noticed this too, but right after that, Sean goes in listening to the message and he writes down on this whiteboard and then sits down in the kitchen. And the shot, I can only assume where they do it the night to day is like this instantaneous shot where like nothing has changed. And it almost seems as just the way it was done is that just all the lights were popped on at the same time for like to make it look like it's daytime. And I thought that was so like amazingly done. And it's yeah. also just like, it's such a, an Edgar Wright thing that you would see like in his movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause at first when the light kind of is coming on, you're like, Oh, is it, is it a flash of lightning? But then it's just like everything about that, that scene now is is that it's morning and it's done so flawlessly um the the things that are written on there is like his to-do list which is like he i think he does end up getting all those things done right right yeah it's funny he writes like uh go to mom's save liz get life together and it's like the zombie apocalypse doesn't change his his priorities in the least those are still the exact same things he has to do basically in that order but that's um, what you're talking about when you say Edgar Wright really doesn't have a throwaway line or, or throwaway scenes. Everything has a purpose. Even to him scribbling down on the whiteboard is like the entire layout of the film. Well, and actually the only throwaway scene maybe you could say, but I think it's just so amazing to me is before the zombie apocalypse, you see him walking to the store to get a soda. And this is just what he does every day. You know, he wakes up, he wants to play video games with Ed, but Ed's like, you have work. So he like, gets dressed, puts on his uniform, goes outside, stops at the corner shop, grabs a drink and gets on the bus. My favorite scene is when he goes down to the corner store after the zombie apocalypse and like the juxtaposition between the normal day and this and how he doesn't even realize anything has changed. But that's like, it's, all, it's like a one shot scene too where the camera's just following him the entire time into the store and then out and then back to his apartment with all these zombies around and then he slips in this blood in the store that when the camera actually goes farther back, I don't even think you can see. So it was kind of fake. But this one take shot of him going to the store is so well done. And his interactions with the random zombies and the guy that always asks him for change comes up to him. He's like, I don't have any change. I don't even have enough for the soda I just took. And like you see the shop owner in the back of the shop as he's walking out. That's like my favorite scene of the entire movie. It's so, but you think, so it's a, you think it's a throwaway? Well, it's how does it tie into the rest of the movie? I'm saying well, I think I don't think it's a throwaway because it, it shows, you know, his life doesn't change whether it's a zombie apocalypse or not. Uh, he still goes about and does, you know, his normal morning routine. And I think what's great about that is that whole theme of like, okay, he's a broken man, you know, he's untrustworthy he sucks in his relationship he sucks with most of his friendships and this this zombie apocalypse kind of fixes him you know it gives him this chance to redeem himself 
and uh, it, one of the things kind of well, tie and also real quick before you get to your next point we also talked about how like everyone around him acts like zombies in their normal life so possibly to him showing this walk to the grocery store or to the local store and back to get a soda all these people are not very are not acting very out of the normal anyway so maybe it's just the point is like he doesn't even notice because we're zombies in our normal life no 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 no, 100 percent. yeah for sure and the fact that like now it gives him a chance for because he's kind of a zombie in his own life too you know he just goes you know through his normal routine and the fact that this has now given him a chance to kind of rise above everyone else who's actually a zombie and he you know he's not better than everyone else now but you know he has an upper hand and he really takes advantage of that which kind of makes him a likable character because if he was just this lazy you know uninspired person then we wouldn't really care but the fact that he takes this chance he takes this you know horrible thing and makes the best out of it for not just him but you know his friend his mom his girlfriend um I think that makes him a really likable character. But what I was going to say is that just like the notes that he wrote on the refrigerator on like his plan for the day, I know there's a scene about 20 minutes into the movie where his best friend, Ed is like, Hey, you know, I know. Cause at this point, Liz, his girlfriend uh, broke up with him. And so Ed trying to like cheer him up was like, Hey, you know, we'll just hang out at the bar and have, uh, I, I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, we'll have a Bloody Mary and a King's Head and, you know, a couple of twins and then we'll hit it back at the Winchester, right? And which seems like a throwaway line. But then the first zombie they really fight is um, is a, a waitress whose name tag says Mary. And then the second thing was, I think, his stepdad who turned into a zombie. But then I think the King's head is the model of the Jaguar that he owns or the street that he lives on. That throwaway line about getting the drinks goes through the entire film up to where they do actually get back to the Winchester bar. Um, And like I said, I think I didn't catch that until my second time watching this movie, but uh, that this film is just full of those sort of things you pointed that out to me and i think that's really cool just the way that was done it's it's he also you know edgar wright has this thing where and i don't know if it's done in hot fuzz that's something i'm gonna i can't even remember if i've seen hot fuzz i feel like i have but i'm not sure but at world's end has this whole theme of we'll go to this bar and this bar and this bar and this bar and then end up you know the world's end which is the name of that bar like this this listifying of these bars we're going to go to and like our night and planning it out. Like that is kind of such an Edgar Wright thing, at least for these, you know, this trilogy of movie world's end hot fuzz and this one. Yeah, no. And you know, you even see that in, in Scott Pilgrim with like the names of the bands and stuff like that. Um, He definitely loves to like hide meaning behind it. And because it's something you don't catch, you know, first off, because you just don't expect it. Um, uh, people probably expect it now since, you know, he's, he's pretty, uh, he's a pretty famous director. But if you don't, if you don't, then it makes the second or third or fourth time viewing the film, you know, almost as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable than the last. And I think that's just really good filmmaking, 
to kind of make your audience come back to you, watch your film and be like, hey, I liked it better the second time or the third time, you know? Right. And, you know, he does some other lines where, you know, uh, Sean has a pen that he sticks in his pocket and it bleeds and everyone points out, oh, you have some red on you because uh, the pen was red. And then after they kill the first zombie, Ed just points out, he's like, oh, you have some red on you because there's just blood spatter everywhere. And then the night before the zombie apocalypse like really happens and Pete's yelling at both of them, Pete gives this line uh, to Ed, you know, if you want to live like an animal, go live in the shed, which is like, we didn't even know they had a shed at this point. But I think is a great because at the end, Ed is tied up as a zombie in the shed being mm -hmm. kind of kept there so Sean can still hang out with him. Which is, is funny because the whole growth of Sean throughout is like him growing up and not hanging out with these loser, his loser friend and like actually being a man that Liz can be with and like not provide for her, but like not just live in this zombie like let's go to the Winchester every night. But in the end, he does keep a little bit of that where he's like, I have to have Ed out in the back and I'll play video games with him a couple minutes a day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, he can't grow up too much. But then the other line when Pete says, oh, go live in the shed, he walks away and Ed goes, next time I see him, he's dead. It's like, well, yeah, you happen to be right. You know, the yeah. same with the soccer kid, like, oh, you're dead. And yeah, that, that ended up working out. Like you could almost argue that maybe the writing is a little too cute in the way it's pointing out things. But for your first film, like no one's expecting that. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And you know, now that I'm thinking about it, and this is honestly me catching this and maybe you've you've already you know figured this out but you know when we grow up and really like become our own person which there's so many things that ties sean down from being the man he he can be but you know are the first thing is like you know your childhood and like the trauma that comes with that through like your parents and like divorce or whatever and then the next thing is like maybe some old high school friends that you were never able to let go or your girlfriend's friends that you were, you know, she's never able to let go. And if you think about the way the movie progresses, killing off his stepdad, and then his mom, and then Liz loses her friends, and then at the very end, him losing Ed, it's kind of like these strings. I mean, I, I hate to put it this way, but these strings that were holding him back before, he's now free of. And so when him and Liz are the only two left, it's kind of this message that he's now like grown up like he's a fully developed adult right yeah and I think they do a good job too of not over you know not giving too much over exposition in the beginning and sort of letting things play out in a more natural way like you meet his step you meet his you know Noel who works with him says oh your dad's here he's like it's my stepdad and then you know, their conversation together, you can kind of tell like, oh, they don't really get along. And then through him going over to his mom's to try and save her, you get a lot more information about kind of growing up and the fact that this was basically his dad. You know, he's known this guy since he was 12. And so it's, you know, he grew up with him for years um, and that they have this relationship and how this relationship has developed. And you have that sweet moment when the stepfather uh, played by Bill Nye, Bill Nye or Bill Nye, um, and him explaining to him like, oh, you know, Sean, I tried to do the best and, but you were already grown and I, you know, being a father is hard. And so like building up that relationship and even to the end of when his stepfather dies, I think was really well done. And like 
you get that sweet moment there too. Like when he gets outside of the car and his mom's like, Oh, you know, your dad's in there. He's like, not my, he's not my dad. And she's like, Sean, don't be like, that. he's like, no, he was my dad, but he's not anymore. Look at him. And so you have these sweet moments, which is then finally cut with, you know, nothing, no part of our, my father is still in there. And then he turns off the rock music. Yeah. Like, oh, we still have to go. Like I, they, the mix, the mixture in this movie of like the comedy throughout the horror, but then the sweet moments of like dealing with his stepfather's death. And then in the end, dealing with his mom's death is really well done. Well, the fact that, that, you know, it's written so well that you can actually have these genuine, like I, I really felt like a lot of the genuine stuff that was going on in this movie um, was impactful you know, without it, because then it's just like, oh, it's just a comedy, whatever. And I think that's what a lot of comedies are kind of missing nowadays, is that this like genuine heartfelt message um, running through it and not just like shoehorned at the end. And I feel like this really has it because you have that sweet moment with the dad, you have them with the mom, you have him, you even have it with Ed in the basement of the Winchester at the end. You know, you, you have these parts where there's an understanding and there's a growth within Sean. Um, that really make this movie not just good, but, you know, really great. I, I, I do want to talk about Yvonne for a second. Now, Yvonne is a character who is, like, introduced in the first third very quickly. I didn't quite understand the relationship, or I, maybe I just didn't pick it up. What is the relationship? Because they see each other on the street, and they give each other a quick hug. Do you know the relationship between Sean and Yvonne? It seems like Sean, Yvonne, and Liz like maybe went to university together. Okay. Because um, they said it's been a few years and he's 29 years old. So that's what it seems to me. Although he works at like a small circuit city type thing in England. So I don't know what he went to college for. I think they sort of leave it open-ended. But for their ages, you know, college, university, that makes sense to me. Okay. So they're just friends. Yeah, because then during the zombie apocalypse – they meet up with Yvonne again. And one of the, I, I guess it's just a gag or it's just like kind of like, oh, we should have been following these characters where they have the exact same like caravan of people. Right. And I love, first of all, you got like Martin Freeman in there with like literally one line, like two words maybe. But the uh, Yvonne's like, oh, where are you going to go? She's like, oh, we're going to the Winchester. Oh, a pub. Uh, well, good luck. <laughs> like You're not, right. you know not expecting to ever see them again. Like what kind of dumb decision is that? Um, and it also led me to, you know, not that this is a plot hole or anything, but Sean goes over to their apartment, which is on this, like the second floor, clearly. Um, and it's like, Oh, I need to save you. You're not safe here. They were probably much safer in that apartment than in the Winchester. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, most most zombie films or zombie TV shows really kind of drive the point that the zombies aren't really the bad guys. It's the people who, like, have to live in the world of zombies now. So you always have this, like, antagonist that's a human and not, not, a, not a creature. But you don't really have that in this film unless you count David in the movie. Because... David, which is, I guess, the, the boyfriend of Liz's closest friend, right? Right, and I think they're all three friends, basically. Yeah. Liz is friends with both of them. Liz's friend, and they're all roommates. Um, he really blames Sean for getting them in the, in the kind of the crap situation 
where they end up at the Winchester. But then, you know, they're like, well, what, what was the plan? What were you going to do? Cause he didn't have one. At least Sean came up with one, but I'm like, well, if his plan was just not to have one and just to stay in the apartment, that's still not a bad plan. Yeah. Um, he's a complete asshole, Dave. And there is, I think a budding competition between like who's more useless and annoying between Ed and Dave. Going into this movie, I thought it was going to be more Sean and Ed as like this dynamic duo fighting zombies. And it's really just Sean like carrying Ed throughout. Right. Um, But I think Dave does make a couple really good points while being an asshole for the rest of the movie. One, the the line where he's like, Sean's idea of a romantic night spot and impenetrable fortress are the exact same thing, (laughs) like the Winchester. Yeah. Yeah. and then I also like when he's like, uh, you know, what is Sean's plan going to be to come back here, sit in the dark and eat peanuts? And then like 30 seconds later, Sean's just sitting there like, does anyone want a peanut? Does anyone else want a peanut? Right. Uh, like those two lines are great. Um, and like the payoff for them. But overall, like Sean, I think is the, he is the prototypical antagonist in a zombie movie that when you have slow moving zombies, especially instead of like the fast moving ones, in a movie you need a human who's not a zombie who is an idiot to get the story continually moving and david is the one in this that plays that part yeah i mean they're all idiots to a degree except maybe liz liz seems to have a good head on her shoulders but um it, it yeah they they all have their like shortcomings and it all pays off i don't know what's the opposite of pays off (laughs) their shortcomings they they all they all get their comeuppance i guess i mean you know because each person has has shortcomings and they're so different personality types you know things happen because of them um during during the whole journey to the winchester um one of the things that i like is that some of them have their talents like we keep talking about how great Edgar Wright's writing and, and you know, uh, coming back to the same thing, only kind of different this time. One one thing I really liked was when um, they're all trying to get over the fence to the Winchester. So he climbs up the ladder of like a little playground and he just comes back down and then he's like, are there zombies? Yep. How many? Lots. And then uh, I think her name's Maggie, the the Liz's friend. And she's like, Diane. Oh, oh, it's Diane. Oh, you know, Maggie, I think is the, is the, is Yvonne's version of Diane. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, so Diane is like, well, you're not going to get anywhere by moaning. And then there's like a zombie behind them that moans. And so now they have to go through this acting thing because it was quickly addressed that she's a a failed actress. So they go through this acting lesson to how to act like a zombie while going through the crowd of zombies. Um, And and I thought that was just like another brilliant line of dialogue. Well, my favorite part of that too is she's going through and getting everyone to do it. Then she goes to Ed and Ed's on his phone. He's like, I'll do it on the night. And Sean's like, it is the night. And he's like, oh, like that's my zombie. And Sean's like, that's horrible. This is a zombie. And that's like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I really, 
it, th- this film does seem really, you know, a, a lot contained within like maybe three or four, I would say four scenes. Like you mentioned before we started recording is that the, they end up at the Winchester for like the whole last third of the movie. But there's so much dialogue and the relationship building between all the characters is that whatever they say to each other is genuinely interesting. Like you actually want to know what they're all thinking. Right too. I think my favorite part is right or in that last third is right before they get in the Winchester when Sean finally kind of loses it with Ed and says like, you've been ruining my life for years and like, you're not going to do it now. And just kind of really finally give, it's like his development of realizing like, you know, Ed's fun to be around, but he is dragging me down. You know what I mean? And which is not what I expected with this movie, as I said, like I didn't expect that to be Ed's character, but it is, it's a, it does help with the development of Sean's character and him being, you know, the protagonist. Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole thing is about how Sean's relationship with everyone in his life, um, especially like a really like, we're talking about heartfelt scenes, but this one's like really sad is when his mom reveals that she's been bit and um, she dies. And there's kind of this like relationship between the rest of the people and Sean where uh, they have all the faith in Sean and then, oh, you know, something bad happens that didn't quite turn out as a plan. Now they lost the faith with him. Oh, now they gained it back. So when his, at the point where they're stuck in the Winchester with like no power, you know, the, the morale is very low, but when his mom passes away, everyone seems to be on his side, even though it's Sean's like lowest point in the movie. But when David pulls the gun out on them, to be like, hey, you now have to end your mom. There's a huge switch where everyone, like everyone is on Sean's side now. Even David's girlfriend is like against Dave. And I thought that was a great point in the movie where it's like, it, it mixes this really heartfelt tragic scene, but it also like ensures, not ensures, it assures the audience that okay, everyone is on Sean's side and Dave is, is like the bad guy now. Right. And I, I mean, they, they lay that foundation throughout. I love when Sean's trying to get Liz back and, uh, and Dave gives some snarky comment and Sean's like, get fucked four eyes. Like, why don't you just ask her out if you love her so much? And he's like, what is that supposed to mean? And he turns to his girlfriend, Diane, like, I don't know what he means by that. And like, you can tell Diane knows exactly what he means by that. Right. But when Dave like is holding the gun on Sean and his mom and Sean's like, this is just cause you love Liz. And like Sean's like, Dave's like starts getting defensive and explaining everything. And Diane's like, I know you love Liz and I've known that for forever. Um, I, I think developing Dave as the antagonist is like a really great idea for this movie. Cause you need that in a zombie movie. Right. But also the development of like, not the development, but the showing like the humanity of Sean having to deal with one, having to deal with like losing his father, who he's finally sort of accepted as his father. But then right after that, having to lose his mom, which, you know, he has this love for. Um, Like I said, it's adding those like that humanity and those like sad moments to a movie that's got like this horror 
and this comedy. And then <laughs> as with the scene where his dad dies and you have the comedy right afterwards, I remember like pausing it and telling my wife she didn't want to watch this. And I was like, there is hardly any gore in this. Like you could have easily handled it. And then I put it back on. This scene happens and Dave gets dragged out the window and just in front of the camera for like 45 full seconds, just his body torn apart and his head pulled off of his torso. And I was like, all right, well, I guess like maybe you couldn't have handled it. I, I love how like he really gets like talking about getting uh, your comeuppets. The, <laughs> the fact that he doesn't just die like, oh, he's bit or he's shot. I mean, this guy who's hated by like the entire, you know, um, audience at this point, especially the, the rest of the characters just gets the most brutal death. Um, but the most comedic part about that is that when they just pull his legs off and it's just the fakest, most like Halloween party store props, but his legs just come off like a doll. I thought I was just like really funny, but that was the part that scared me most when I first saw this, when I was like 12, I was like, this is horrifying. Why would I ever watch this again? But now watching it as like an adult, I'm like, how, how, how is anyone ever scared of this? This is just funny. And then Liz decides, parent, or not Liz, Diane decides, oh, I'm going to go save him. One, this dude that's clearly in love with your best friend. And two, whose head you saw just got ripped off. But you're going to somehow go out there and save him. I didn't understand either because I was like, oh, she really hates him. And then she's like, no, I'll, I'll die for him. And I was like, okay, whatever. But at that point, you know, kind of like when we were talking about Tucker and Dale, at that point, they got to kill off a bunch of characters towards the end to kind of like make room for the last two. You know what I mean? Right. And in order to get to the final two, you also have to kill off Ed, which was to me very unexpected and kind of a sad touching moment because you get a lot of development from Sean. Like he's no longer relying on Ed and he realizes Ed is holding him back, but you do get a little development from Ed as far as like finally like being selfless and telling Sean like, Oh, just leave me behind. Because at this point, Ed's been bitten, so he is going to become a zombie. And so, you know, you keep having these touching moments with Sean, like his stepdad and then his mom. And then even with Ed, him pressing the button on the elevator is like this big moment for him finally letting Ed go. Yeah, I know you don't like the character that much, um, but he's kind of like, yeah, he's a big dumb goof that fucks everything up. Mm -hmm. But there's like a lot of like nice moments, like friend, best friend moments that uh, I was going to say Tucker and Dale have together, uh, but Sean and Ed have together. Uh, I'm not, I like him as a character, but his, his friendship with Sean is completely through the lens of what's best for Ed. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt. But I, you know, there's, there's moments where I think uh, it's kind of, sweet but also like oh you know, like relatable moments i guess is what i'm trying to say like you see sean and ed do something and you're like oh i've done that with my friend you know i guess it kind of keeps sean grounded but in this case like too grounded right um, i think that the writing does a good job of not making either dave or ed neither of them are too black and white they both have moments where like Dave is just an asshole, but they they both have moments where they're show like some decent qualities. Even Dave, like telling Sean, like you have to shoot your mom. Right. I, I know we've talked about uh, like <laughs> how awesome Edgar Wright is, but the best, the best. 
But in a in another brilliant writing moment uh, that is like an endearing friend moment that Sean and, and Ed have. And I don't know if you noticed this, but in the beginning, when uh, I think it's Ed playing video games and Sean is like, has to go to work. Um, but Ed is shooting like a couple of, it looked like doom, right? Like a, like an old version of doom or something. So Ed is shooting the bad guys and Sean's like giving him call outs like, Oh, three o'clock. Oh, behind you up there to the left. Nice shot, buddy. Right. And again, with like the throwaway lines, like, Oh, it's such a small thing. But when they are in the Winchester and the zombies are pouring in, Sean has the, the Winchester rifle and the same call outs that Sean gave him, gave Ed in the video game was given in reverse. Now Ed's giving Sean the call outs like, Oh, top left. Nice shot, buddy. And uh, uh, so it's just like um, another like great callback. I don't know what you want to call it. Like, um, I guess it is a callback to an earlier time in a different context. Right. And I do like how it's very true to life that someone from Britain, you know, they don't have as much experience with guns as people in America would be so horrible at shooting people in the head just right in front of him. He shot his mom in the head right in front of him. Yeah, actually, yeah, pretty good shot there from point blank. But I also, you know, last thing in the movie is they have an epilogue, which a lot of zombie movies kind of stray away from. They leave it open-ended. You know, the main protagonist might survive, but then they're in just in this world with zombies and, you know, it looks very bleak. And here they've, like, turned the zombies into workers and i do love the fact that uh you see uh noel who worked with uh sean at the video store in the beginning like pushing in carts and just being way more productive than he ever was as a non-zombie like now that he has like this job i didn't i didn't notice that that was him right yeah no it was and so (laughs) and then just having you know the sweet moment of zombie ed in the in the shed and them getting to play video games and seeing sean kind of it's it's like a little bit of a give and take between Sean and Liz, like, but it seems like Liz has just sort of replaced Ed because now they just both sit on the couch together. But at least right. they get to sp- spend all that time together. So I think the the movie ends on a pretty cool note for a zombie film. I was kind of like fearful, like, oh, is he gonna like Tucker and Dale? Is he gonna like Shaun of the Dead? Because even though they're based in horror, they have a lot of comedic elements to them. I mean, they're comedies, so. I was hoping I wasn't straying like too far from what you originally had planned. No, no, it was great. Well, thanks for watching another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And I'm David. And I finally watched Shaun of the Dead.